This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Goosebumps. It's spooky. It's chilly and spooky in here. Well, why are we in this old haunted house? (laughs) (laughs) Craig, why are you doing weird improv foley? There's already a lot of creepy noises in this haunted house that we're in. (laughs) That was a haunted toilet flushing. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And on Spooktober, on Spooktober, we have decided to do something a little unconventional, except there's sort of a convention because we did it once before. We did do it one time already. doing? This it it's a precedented episode. Oh sure, it is not. There is yes. a precedent. It may be without um, convention, but it is not without precedent. This is our second ghost stories and urban legends podcast episode. Boo! Ooh, so boo. so on the first one of these, Andrew, that we did, which we did like two years ago, two I years think. ago, um, we did do like some research on. Where ghost stories come from, uh, like dating back to Greek times, like Seneca. No, he's a Roman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Um, but like tracing. I mean, Greece was still a thing. Like, yeah. it's not. <laughs> no, no. When but... You say Greek times. It's not like Greece ever like. Stopped. No. Yes, that's true. I. That is a shorthand for ancient Greece, the time of Sophocles and Socrates, two notable ghosts. Uh-huh. Um, and Seneca too, probably. Well, he's a Roman, though. No, I know. Okay, um, I'm just, we're going I'm in circles. Razz- I'm razzing you. Going I'm in razz- haunted There's, circles. It's a ghost of an old ah, joke that's coming to get you. <laughs> I'm haunted by humor, and I don't have anything like that this time. Is what I was building up towards. Uh, oh, cool. I'm glad you took so long to say that. Yeah, I figure <laughs> that folks, if they want to learn a little bit about where ghost stories come from. They can go listen to that other episode that we did. Uh, do you have any ghost story facts to share with us, Andrew? I don't have any ghost story facts. I just have ghost stories and urban legends, like we said. Okay. Well, I have a couple tips for you from a website called tentcampinghq.com. Well, they sound authoritative. <laughs> and this is... About tent camping, at least. Yeah. I mean, they have articles like campground do's and don'ts, um, including... Like, you know, don't put up too many decorations, you know, bring poo bags for your dog, uh-huh. uh, avoid loud music. You are in nature. Let Mother Nature tickle your ears with the songs of the wild. Yeah, Mother Nature's got your playlist. She's going to tickle your ears. She's got your Spotify Discover Weekly. It's called mm-hmm. Wolves. It's called Cricket Noises. <laughs> uh, there's another article that they have called Leftover Chili Omelet. 
is a recipe for a leftover chili I can omelet. See, no, I can see how that would haunt a person <laughs> in its way. Um, two, <laughs> two crucial steps in the leftover chili omelet are, uh, you know, you cook the eggs, etc., and then you drop a large, you put the eggs on plate, drop a large spoonful or two of chili in the center of your eggs, top with cheese and some veggies. Okay, I guess that's reasonable. Roll the eggs around the chili. <laughs> mm. Is this like, the? I agree with you that the preparation of this thing is pretty spooky, but like what's... <laughs> Is this what you wanted to tell me about, or was there something else? No, I'm just giving you the qualifications of this website. You're just helping me, like, you're surrounded, so I'm, like, in Mother Nature, listening to cricket noises. I'm making some terrible bathroom mistake. Yes, correct. Egg egg mess. In a, in a world where you have limited access to toilet paper, you have made an egg mess for yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, they also have an article called "Scary Camps: uh, How to Tell Scary Campfire Stories. Okay. Uh, start out by getting everybody's attention, undivided attention. Well, we've done that already. Okay. Yeah, you're listening to our podcast. Um, remember, the woods outside of the light of your fire are extra dark and creepy, so you could comment on a sound you just heard in the woods. <laughs> just make it up. Just ad-lib it. Is that Jerry? No, it's a ghost. Uh, sound a bit reluctant to tell your story, like it makes sure. you uncomfortable. Okay. Um, okay, now we are, okay. So we're both. It's nighttime out. Yep. We're both sitting in our dark home offices. Yes. Which anything beyond wait, the wait, home wait, office? Wait, wait. Did you hear well, that, Andrew? Yeah, I did hear it. Who do you think it was? I think it was in the ghost's <laughs> iPhone notifications going off. <laughs> I hate. I have that ghost Twitter tied to my phone. I can't get rid of <laughs> all the notifications. Now you have everybody on edge, Andrew. Here are some topics that might make. For scary campfire stories again according to tentcampinghq.com mm-hmm. stories based in reality murderers psychos getting lost in the wilderness etc right uh-huh stories based on current events Ooh, politics is scary <laughs> uh base the story either near the location you're camping in or where your audience is from like anybody here from Philly? Philly in the house at the campfire. Hey, Philly's got the Philly's got the best ghosts in the whole world. I've always said. Yo, hey, none of those New hey, York ghosts get those I'm ghosts ha- out I'm of here. I'm haunting here. <laughs> Combine fact and fiction. The facts add to the oh, realness. That's pretty God, okay. And the fiction stimulates the imagination. <laughs> um, stories based in the woods. That's good. Familiar urban legends. That's good. Stories about ghosts pretend it happened to you, but have never told anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a bunch of bunch of tips about talking slowly and nervously, and looking people in the eyes, and acting real serious. I appreciate that this that this site tells you what to do, but not like any ghost stories to tell. It just kind of assumes that the juices of your own creativity will get you over the finish line. It do, the, yes, the last bullet is read your audience. If your story doesn't seem to be holding people's attention, make it a bit shorter so it doesn't drag on too long. Yeah, no, that is a good. That is good. <laughs> they never That's teach you advice. that that one in in acting school. They never say just if stop you're see- if, if it's you're going seen, bad. If the audience just isn't reading it and you're like amazing one act play that you yep <laughs> that you're putting on in a small room that your cousin rented you, <laughs> like just make it shorter. Just get to the end. 
Wait, I thought there was an intermission in this play. I think that's what they away. did when they when they retooled that Spider-Man musical. Oh yeah, they just took. It was oh. like fifty. It was fifteen minutes long by the end. You want to hear a scary story, Andrew? Yes. There were a bunch of people in that play called the Geek Chorus. No, I knew that. That's <laughs> I. I was spooked by that many years ago. <laughs> so we've got some stories that we're going to share with each other and you, the listener. Maybe they're scary. Maybe they're not. We're going to find out. Maybe um, they're just creepy. Maybe they're just creepy. They can just be creepy stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, I've got one called Humans Can Lick Too. Okay. You don't sound reluctant enough. Oh, sorry. I'm just I'm giving you notes Andrew, based on the advice you just gave me. Okay. I've got a story. Okay. I don't really want to tell you, but it's called Humans Can Lick Too. That's much better. Okay. Okay. So years ago... Versions of the following internet chain letter began circulating. (laughs) Oh, no. Once there was a beautiful young girl who lived near a small town called Farmersburg. Her parents had to go to town for a while, so they left their daughter home alone, but she was protected by her dog. The girl's parents told her to lock all the windows and doors after they'd left, and at about 8 p.m., her parents went to town. Doing what she was told, she shut and locked every window and every door. But there was one window in the basement that would not close completely. Trying her best, she finally got the window shut, but it would not lock. So she left it shut and headed back upstairs. Just to make sure that no one could get in, she put a deadbolt lock on the basement door. Then she sat down, had some dinner, and decided to go to sleep for the night. Settling down to sleep at about midnight, she snuggled up with the dog and fell asleep. But at one point in the night, she suddenly woke up, Andrew. She turned and looked at the clock. It was 2.30 a.m. She snuggled down again, wondering what had woken her when she heard a noise. It was a dripping sound. She thought that she had left the water running, and now it was dripping into the drain of her sink. That's, that's how that water makes sense. <laughs> that's how sinks work. Thinking it was no big deal, she decided to go back to sleep, but she felt nervous, so she reached her hand over the edge of her bed and let the dog lick her hand for reassurance that he would protect her. Mm-hmm. Again, at about 3.45 a.m., she woke up hearing the dripping sound. She was slightly angry now, but went back to sleep anyway. She reached down and let the dog lick her hand, and then she fell back asleep. At 6.52 a.m., the girl decided that she had had enough. She got up just in time to see her parents were pulling up to the house. Good, she thought. Now someone could fix the sink, because I know I didn't leave it running. She walked to the bathroom, and there was the collie dog, skinned and hung up on the curtain rod. The noise she had heard was its blood dripping into a puddle on the floor. The girl screamed and ran to her bedroom to get a weapon in case someone was still in the house. And there on the floor next to her bed, she saw a small note written in blood saying, Humans can lick too. Ew, no. It was the human who licked her. Ew. Oh, no. And it killed her dog for an undisclosed reason. Oh, no. Are you spooked? I'm a little spooked. I'm more confused about why it took her like eight hours to get up and check what the noise was. Also, why a dripping sink made her like angry and why her parents went to town at 8 p.m. I buy the anger thing. Like if, if there is a sound like take the cat, for example, if there is a sound that is waking me up and has done so multiple times, I eventually just get mad that I'm not asleep. Okay, that's fair. I just, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting relationship that you have with your dog. 
where you're like, hey, dog, you stay under the bed. Just like lick my hand every once in a while. Just lick it. Uh huh. But humans can lick too. The website <laughs> I found this from thoughtco.com. Um, also talks about how this story derives from the Bible story about King Belshazzar who read the writing on the wall, which uh-huh. I think is a bit of a leap for uh, blood on a note on the floor. But uh-huh. okay. You want to spook me? I do want to spook you. Now, I've got a few, I've got a, a wide selection of, of stories here. So what do you, what would you like? Would you like something a little shorter and punchier? Would you like, like some, would you like to learn something? I want to, ooh, I, I didn't know that was an option. Teach me something. I, I'm very, I've got some very educational ghost stories planned. So um, we've been down to New Orleans or Nolens, as the locals insist that you call it when you're down there. NOLA! They're really nasty about it, actually. <laughs> if you're walking around in the street, you can see like people are selling their houses and often, not always, but often there will be a little, uh, a little sign like underneath the century 21 or whatever, the little shingle thing yeah. that says that the house is haunted. I remember that when I was down there. Yes. And I've always been like fascinated by that because like, who is, what is, who's regulating this? <laughs> like who's making the rules? So I went, uh, I went out to look and see if I could find anything on like property laws or like oh sure laws yeah. laws governing the sale of a haunted house okay and um, I did surprisingly find find some stuff so um, sometimes there are um, there are properties that are referred to as stigmatized properties or um, one that has like an abnormally low value or is hard to sell like despite its location. Um, its condition or like its other amenities. So like it, it has, it comes with a plasma screen. It has a washer dryer, central air that's banging, fifteen yeah, right. bathrooms. But it's like the quintessential, like too good to be true haunted house. Okay, that is right. in every single haunted house story <laughs> that's ever happened. Um, and there, there are a lot of different like state and local and federal laws that dictate what counts as a stigma, but um, and what needs to be con- disclosed to a potential buyer. But there is like a category that is paranormal, like paranormal stigma. Hmm. And I think the That's most a good way to put it. That's a cool way to put it. I yeah, like. Yeah, my that. house has paranormal st- stigma. Well, it doesn't. It's a legal way to recognize that some people believe in ghosts, and it makes it hard to live in that house. Uh-huh. It doesn't legally recognize that ghosts are are real. Oh, do you do you want Uh-oh. to uh, do you do you want to have your mind blown? Because uh, I'm about to blow your mind. Oh no! There is a New York case called a Stambovsky versus Ackley. Yes. Um, sometimes called the Ghostbusters ruling. Okay, yes. And in this um, relatively landmark, like it, it's studied <laughs> a lot in, in um, when, you, good, when you're doing like property law such and stuff. Such a good hook, yeah. It's a, it's a landmark case where the court found that if the owner of a house had ever like advertised the house as haunted, mm. like if, if there had ever been a story about it or if it was part of a ghost tour or something, legally... The house is to c- considered to be haunted, and not only can a buyer back out if they learn about it after the fact, but sellers like need to disclose this information to buyers. Yes, yes. And um, 
So there's this house, the house in question was reported to be haunted in like a Reader's Digest article and a few times in local newspapers. And it was on like a ghost tour of the town. But this buyer was coming in from out of town and had not heard these stories. And when they when they did learn, they wanted like they had already put down the down payment and were already like they were going to come and close. And he learned that the house was haunted and he wanted to get out of the sale. He didn't show up to the closing. And he also wanted um, damages for like misrepresentation of of the property. Oh, and so it goes up to the New York State Supreme Court and a three two opinion, like a <laughs> majority opinion, but only just um, concluded having reported the ghost's present presence in both a national publication and the local press. Defendant is stopped to deny their existence, and as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Whoa. <laughs> And the court, they went on to say that, you know, whether the house is haunted or not, the fact that it has a reputation for being haunted can affect yeah, its value. And so you, need to, so you need to disclose that. And so the guy got his um, his down payment back and his money back, but he wasn't awarded any damages. Oh, and he probably had to, like, pay for his legal fees or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I apparently, feel- like, everybody on this case was like go in wild <laughs> ghost amazing. puns like a uh, plaintiff hasn't a ghost of a chance oh no um i am moved by the spirit of equity these are all quotes <laughs> from the wikipedia page yeah someone I, the I, notion I, is a hobgoblin which should be exercised from the body of legal precedent <laughs> that's outstanding I feel like I want to say someone tweeted that at us after our Fear Street episode, but I did not dig into it as much as you have. I'm glad that you brought this to our attention. Yeah. So again, this doesn't like this doesn't dictate everywhere, and there's a lot of overlap with like death laws, like when you need to disclose that, that like, like a murder, somebody or died, happened. or yeah. a murder happened. Yeah. It, it's that's it's widely left up to states and and cities and and whatever to decide how to handle this stuff but i thought i thought it was interesting like in wow. new york you can legally own a haunted house yeah and you can legally get out of a contract if you find out that your right. house is that's awesome yeah i do remember Under, when, in the in the eyes of the law your house has ghosts when we were <laughs> when we were in norland norland norlands 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 man it's been a while they were talking about how like houses would get certified by someone that a ghost was there <laughs> I would like to see some <laughs> documentation, please. But that would, you know, if you're down there, that's a big selling point. Whether or not it's real, whether or not hauntings are real. Well, because ghost tours are a whole garden industry down yeah, there. And if you true. do ever if you do ever go down to New Orleans, listeners, do find and take a ghost tour. They're, they're everywhere. Pretty cool. And they're yeah. a little silly, but they're also pretty neat. So, Andrew. Yo. Can I hit you with another ghost story? Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna hit you with one called Harry. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who's Harry? So this is told. I'm gonna read this story. It is in like the first person, but I'm just gonna read this to you. And I know that I'm not the narrator. This is not my story. You're narrating it, but you're not the narrator. Yeah, I'm breaking the rules of the campfire ghost story, but here we go. Mm-hmm. Such ordinary things make me afraid. Hot, sunny days, dark shadows on grass, children with red hair. And the name Harry. (laughs) Same, I guess. My daughter Christine was five years old. It was a hot, sunny day, and she was playing alone in the garden. I overheard her talking to someone. I went outside to see who it was, but there was nobody there. I was puzzled. Who were you talking to, I asked. Harry, she replied. Harry who, I asked. She just shrugged her shoulders. Just Harry, she said. (laughs) 
<laughs> that evening, my husband came home from work. I told him about it. He said it was normal for kids that age to have imaginary friends. I tried to put it out of my mind, but something about that name, Harry, sent a shiver down my spine. The next day, Christine was playing in the garden again while I was in the kitchen. Again, I heard her talking to someone. When I looked out in the window, I thought I could see a dark shadow on the grass. I tapped on the window and told Christine to come inside for dinner. Can Harry come too, she asked. No, Harry has to stay outside, I said. <laughs> but he's hungry. Who is Harry? He's my brother, she replied. But you don't have a brother, I told her. Yes, I do. His name is Harry. Who told you that? I asked. Harry told me, she said. My daughter spent every day in the garden talking to her imaginary friend. After a while, it began to worry me. I took her to see a psychiatrist. All children need friends their own age, the psychiatrist told me. If they don't have friends, they invent them. Talking to the psychiatrist reassured me, but I couldn't help feeling nervous. A few days later, she started school. I dropped her off in the morning for her first day. I kissed her on the forehead and waved goodbye. There was some, uh, then I watched as, I walked up to, as she walked to the front door of the school and went inside. There was something I had to do. I took a bus into the city and made my way to a large gray building. It had been four long years since I visited that building. It was the orphanage where we adopted Christine. The woman who ran the orphanage opened the door and invited me inside. I told her I needed to know about Christine's history. I'm sorry, she said. We have strict rules about divulging such information. I told her it was very important. I begged and pleaded. Eventually, the woman gave in. Very well, but this must remain strictly between the two of us. She was born into a very poor family. Her parents didn't want her. They were drug addicts and they, they, they neglected their children. The house they lived in was in terrible condition. One night, the mother and father got into a violent argument. The father grabbed a knife and ended up stabbing his wife to death. He cut off her head. Then he attacked the children. When the police arrived, it was all over. They found Christine in the garden, clutched in the arms of her brother. She was unharmed. Her brother was dead. Mm -hmm. The father had taken his own life. What was... The, my eyes were welling up with tears. I asked in a trembling voice, her brother, what was his name? His name was Harry, she replied. I stumbled out of the orphanage in a daze. I wandered through the streets with no idea of where I was going. The name Harry was floating around in my brain. I felt like I was in a nightmare. Then I looked at my watch. It was after three o'clock. I had to pick up Christine from school and I was already late. I walked down the hallway and went into the classroom and where I found the teacher gathering up her books, uh, where I found the teacher gathering up her books. I'm so sorry I'm late. Where's Christine? Christine, the teacher said, she's gone. Gone, I cried. Yes, her brother picked her up a few minutes ago. My heart sank in my chest. Without another word, I ran outside and started shouting my daughter's name. She was gone. I spent the two, next two weeks in bed. The police searched for Christine, but they never found any trace of her. Her face was on milk cartons. Everybody was looking for her, but it was as if she had disappeared into thin air. After a while, people lost interest and the search was called off. Years have passed since then, but the pain in my heart never goes away. The fear never ends. Such ordinary things make me afraid. Hot, sunny days, dark shadows on grass, children with red hair, and the name Harry. Boy, that's a spooky one. Just a spooky kid who stole his sister. There was um, a much less elaborate sort of riff. <laughs> On this idea where the I think the guy was called Adam or something and he was like a personal trainer of the narrator who <laughs> who died and like the kid was talking to him or something. Just a, oh, lo a God, lot of like a ghost trainer here to get I you pumped. Yes. Here to pump your ghost, your haunted glutes. I, I had not considered that 
if you like adopted a child that they could have a ghost sibling that you didn't know about. I, that's possible for anyone you meet, so, I suppose. Yeah, if, but if you ever go to adopt, like that should be something you kind of ask about as they're Yeah, that wouldn't be weird you. at all. That wouldn't be a really... Did they, did they have a brother who died <laughs> in like really gory and mysterious circumstances? Can you make sure that this kid has a ghost sibling? Because that's a thing I'm looking for. As a Why parent... looking for it? As a parent, I think I'm up for the challenge. Hmm. I've always wanted to raise a kid who had a ghost sibling. Just never be late picking them up from school. Oh, gosh. Their brother's going to get them. Harry. Why that name? Why Harry? I don't know. Harry the ghost. Harry the ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense to me. Spook me, Andrew. Or teach me. You want to get spooked? I'll teach you next time, maybe. (laughs) Whoa, okay. Spook me, though. Um, so this here's one that uh like as as you mentioned in your guidelines for ghost storytelling uh combines the real with what may or may not be fiction. I'll let Ooh, you decide. I dig it. Uh one bitterly cold morning in January 1626 whilst in the company of his good friend Dr. Winterborn, uh Sir Francis Bacon, the real guy, Sir Francis Bacon. Okay. Um, decided to put this theory to the test. He wanted to see if you could preserve meat by freezing it. And so what he does is he buys this chicken from an old woman on Highgate Hill, and he plucks it and he slaughters it, and he stuffs the carcass with snow. And the so he Sir Francis Bacon died of you know, pneumonia or, or a severe, a severe chill or whatever. And so this like dovetails with that because at this point in the story, cause he's out like stuffing a chicken with snow, he catches a chill and he dies. I thought it was going to be cause he ate cold chicken. But... No, 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 no. Okay. Um, and, um, since then, ever since there have been frequent reports of a phantom white bird resembling a plucked chicken that appears from nowhere to race around the square in frenzied circles, flapping its wings as it goes. In 1943, one Terence Long was crossing Pond Square late at night when he heard the sound of of uh, horses' hooves accompanied by the low rumble of carriage wheels. Suddenly, a loud, raucous shriek split the silence, and the ghostly chicken appeared before Whoa. him and proceeded to race frantically around before vanishing into thin air. In the 1960s, a motorist whose car had broken down encountered the same apparition as the decording couple in the 1970s when it interrupted their passionate... That's just what the website says. This is from haunted-london.com. Interrupted their passionate? When it interrupted their passionate by dropping suddenly from above and landing next to them. In recent years, however, sightings of the featherless phantom have been few and far between. Indeed, it might just be possible that the restless spirit has finally accepted the the indecency of its demise and the scientific principle for which it gave its life. I've never heard of a haunted chicken. I well, it's not really a haunted chicken. Like the chicken is not haunted. It's a, it's a ghost. Oh, chicken. dip! Imagine if you bought some chicken from the grocery store and it was haunted, oh, though. Man, got haunted chicken again. <laughs> if you if you want to know more about this chicken, you just got Google Highgate Chicken Ghost. Highgate Chicken Ghost. There's some more. It's a, it's similar, but there's some more stuff on real-British-ghosts.com. <laughs> Those dashes are how you know it's real. And both of these entries are riddled with typos, but the one that I read was was the less typo-y, so probably the more authentic and, and trustworthy retelling of the story. How British does it look as you read it? 
Um, not very. There's like a gif of a candle on the right side. That's pretty that's British. That's, pretty British. That's it's pretty like British. British meets haunted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's I. I buy that. So uh, yeah, that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. The Highgate Chicken Ghost. That's a good one. Who I've... killed Sir Francis Bacon? <laughs> I like unconventional, which is such a strange, like <laughs> incidental part of the story like he, cl- he claimed a man's life and then he haunted people who were recording for like the next 80 years also not any years not any man's life sir francis bacon's life sir, yeah sir francis bacon himself oh my gosh okay uh i looked up i wanted to get a version of the babysitter and the man upstairs andrew now, like a calls come from inside the house. Yeah, sort of, I would just. Sort of I just deal. wanted to put this one down on the record here because this one's record. this one's been around since like the sixties. There's apparently like a case in the fifties that it may or may not be inspired by. Which, which movie, like most famously, um, did that? Like, have you checked the children? Thing? When a When a Stranger Calls is there a nineteen seventy nine film. You also see it. You know, it's not dissimilar to the opening gambit of like scream say um, which in and of itself was kind of like remixing a bunch of horror tropes and i don't think that you could do this story today like with cell phones it would just you know i don't think it would work it's like like most stories yeah like you just go you open like find my friends you'd be like a well dip the killer's inside the house (laughs) friends with the killer how did that happen <laughs> uh so so i'm just gonna read this story we're gonna we're gonna put this one down on the record and uh see what happens i'm i'm happy that we're contributing this to virtual tape yes so let's here we hit go it. a married couple were going out for the evening and called in a teenage babysitter to take care of their three children <laughs> when she arrived they told her they probably wouldn't be back until late that the kids were already asleep, so she needn't disturb them. So wait, just real quick. They put all the kids to bed and then decided, hey, time to go out on the town, go clubbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need a teenage babysitter. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the out. worst babysitter's book club. <laughs> babysitter's club book I've ever heard of. The babysitter starts doing her homework while awaiting a call from her boyfriend. After a while, the phone rings. She answers it, but hears no one on the other end. Just silence. Then whoever it is hangs up. After a few more minutes, the phone rings again. She answers, and this time there's a man on the line who says, Have you checked the children? Click. At first, she thinks it might have been the father calling to check up, and she and he got interrupted, so she ignores it. She goes back to her <laughs> homework. <laughs> That's, oh Even boy. Even if that was the... <laughs> Check the... Check them, if that's what you think. If a, str- if a stranger called me, even if someone called call me and like tried to jerky boys me and is like, is your fridge running? I'd probably <laughs> go check boys. and see what my fridge is up to. It's, okay, oh, so gosh. it's good to know that you're extremely gullible. I and am. You're very susceptible <laughs> to being jerky boys. That's true. Um, she goes back to her homework. The phone rings again. Have you checked the children? Says the creepy voice on the other on the other end. Mr. Murphy, she asks, but the caller hangs up again. She de- decides to phone the restaurant where the parents said they'd be dining. But when she asks for Mr. Murphy, she is told that he and his wife had left 45 minutes earlier. So she calls the police and reports that a stranger has been calling her and hanging up. 
Has he threatened you? The, dis- the dispatcher asks. No, she says. Well, there's nothing we can really do about it. You could try reporting the prank caller to the phone company. Great police. Good job. God, that's typical. Like the, the modern day version of the story would have you reporting this to like the Twitter mm-hmm. support people. Uh-huh. I'm getting and all these random like, DMs telling me to check the kids. And also that I should go die or something. And it's because like, yeah. I'm a woman. Yeah. It's like gifts of you dying somehow. And it's like, We're sorry, this this tw- this tweet doesn't violate our policies. Oh gosh. A few minutes go by and she gets another call. Why haven't you checked the children? The voice says. Who is this, she asks, but he hangs up again. She dials 911 again and says, I'm scared. I know he's out there. He's watching me. Have you seen him? The dispatcher asks. She says no. Well, there's not much we can do about it, the dispatcher says. The babysitter goes into panic mode and pleads with him to help her. Now, now, it'll be okay, he says. Give me your number and street address, and if you can keep this guy on the phone for at least a minute, we'll try to trace the call. What was your name again? Linda, she says. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay, Linda. <laughs> Great storytelling here. I don't know. Important piece of information now. (laughs) Okay, Linda, if he calls back, we'll do our best to trace the call, but just keep calm. Can you do that for me? Yes, she says and hangs up. She decides to turn the lights down so she can see if anyone's outside. And that's when she gets another call. It's me, the familiar voice says. Why did you turn the lights down? Can you see me? She asks. Yes, he says after a long pause. Look, you've scared me, she says. I'm shaking. Are you happy? Is that what you wanted? No. Then what do you want? She asks. Another long pause. Your blood all over me. She slams the phone down, terrified. Almost immediately it rings back. Leave me alone, she screams. But it's the dispatcher calling back. His voice is urgent. Linda, we've traced the call. It's coming from another room inside the house. Get out of there now. She tears, she tears the front door, attempting to unlock it and dash outside, only to find the chain at the top still latched. In the time it takes to unhook it, she sees a door open at the top of the stairs. Light streams from the children's bedroom, revealing the profile of a man standing just inside. She finally gets the door open and bursts outside, only to find a cop standing on the doorstep with his gun drawn. At this point, she's safe, of course, but when they capture the intruder and drag him downstairs in handcuffs, she sees he is covered in blood. Come to find out, all three children have been murdered. Neat. Neat. And apparently, teenagers have been passing around this tale for decades. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the lesson of the story is. If there is one. Don't trust in police. Yeah, don't trust 911 dispatchers, which seems like a dangerous lesson. Uh, There's another... we, We can figure this out. I think the lesson is check the children. Check the children. The first time you're asked. Yes, true. Get a cell phone. Mm-hmm. That's a good lesson. I'm trying to see, I'm trying to Google. Maybe phone tech was just different in the 60s. I'm trying to see if you can even call your own number to have yeah. the call come from inside the house. Like you'd have to have a second line, right? And when I was growing up, we only had a second line so that you could go on AOL and have people still make phone calls. Like uh, it wasn't someone, for killers. Someone, okay, here's here's a, here's a Yahoo answers. Oh, no question in uh consumer the the categories consumer electronics land phones <laughs> uh when i was younger i used to be able to call test the home phone ringer by die by dale something like 991 or 119 or something like that and then i hang up the phone three seconds later the phone rings how do i do that today i tried many combinations and it doesn't work has the number changed or something um any answers 
The best answer is in this day of digital phones. Oh boy. <laughs> Tuesday, the day of digital phones. In this day of digital phones, it is harder because the signals travel travel faster. Dial your own phone and put it down as soon as you hear the dial attendant's voice starting her spiel. Put it down and wait a few seconds. It will ring only twice, but it will ring then turn itself off. What are you testing? I don't know. This is dumb. Yeah, this <laughs> Yahoo is bad. There's another version of this story uh, that goes around that I found as a like chain letter that is the urban legend of the clown statue. You love this chain letter stuff. I, I dig it. Um, the urban legend of the clown statue. Yeah, and it's it's a similar babysitter story. She gets bored. She gets creeped out by a clown statue, and she calls the restaurant where the people are and asks, like, hey, can I just, like, cover up your creepy clown statue? And the dad is like, yo, get out of the house. We don't have a clown statue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good version of the story. I feel like that's an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Yeah, and the, the chain letter or whatever. The chain letter I found says, if you don't repost to 10 peeps within five minutes, the clown will be standing next to your bed at 3 a.m. with a knife in his hand. So you got to tell 10 peeps about this All story. Right. You got right, another? I guess. You want? I guess you got me. You got a? You got a chain letter or something you want to share with me, Andrew? I don't, have a, I don't have a chain letter. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna teach you a little bit more about. Okay, keep teaching me. Ghost stories and urban legends. Do you know who Robert Johnson is? Yeah, he's a guitar player, right? Yeah. So he was born in 1911, died in 1938 at the tender young age of 27. And yeah, he was a blues musician. He only recorded like, a, I think around 29 songs exist, yes. plus mm -hmm. some alternate takes. True. And um, he wasn't like super well known in his day, but he has he's a big influence on like the Rolling Stones and Eric Clapton and Robert Plant and Bob Dylan and Fleetwood Mac and... Um, some of his songs have been featured in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was added in 2003 to the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress. Shout out Library of Congress. Yeah, nice. And but but his life was very mysterious. Like very little is known about him. There are a couple of like extant marriage licenses, but they both give different birth dates. And um, we didn't find confirmed images of him until they found him with his half-sister in the 70s, and then those were not distributed widely until the 80s. So, like, how is this How is this spooky? Do you want to know? You probably know. Do you know? I don't I don't know how it got spooky. I feel, I know, like, the punchline, but I don't necessarily know it's all the like details. It's not like a joke. <laughs> no, but, like, I... <laughs> if you... Like, I could give you the one-sentence summary of what I think I know, but I want you to get me there. Is what okay, so this... If, if you ever... If you've ever heard the urban legend, and maybe you encountered it in, like, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou or something. Yes, precisely. But of mm -hmm. a guy who meets the devil at the crossroads... And sells his soul to get really good at playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. Robert Robert Johnson is the originator of that. Ooh, okay. Of that myth. Sure. Um. So, the the deal with it is like it wasn't it wasn't something that like he went around telling people, <laughs> but um, it's a good like hook. Mo modern scholars see this legend as dating from um his discovery by white fans, of course. Huh. Like a couple a couple decades after he died. Okay. Um and so this this guy Pete Welding was was told an initial version of the story by somebody local 
And then he printed it in a magazine called Downbeat in 1966. Um, it was presented as a way to explain like how he got so good at guitar so quickly. Oh, and then from there it was like iterated and retold, and it grew from there. Um, and there there are different versions. Like the the Crossroads weren't initially part of the story. Another version has the me has you know Johnson and the Devil meeting in a graveyard. It's a good um, place and, to meet. Yeah, and well, and that stems from like a real world thing apparently, where he and another guitar player um, would practice in graveyards at night because it was quiet and there's like no one around. Yeah, yeah sure. It's so it's spooky. You don't want to be standing in a graveyard he, at night with with like scary guitar noises <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> That's but he really wasn't spooky. like writing like monster mash blues songs. He was just writing like blues songs, right? No, he was just he was just a blues he was just a blues musician. Okay. And that like people like because so little is known about his life, but he was so like talented at such a young age and had such a huge impact on all these artists who came later. Like th- this is a way to try and fill in gaps. Like I'm sure there are a ton of myths about Shakespeare, yeah, or like sure. half truths about Shakespeare that exist because we only know like half a dozen actual things about him. Yeah, sure. Um, and and so it like there there's also some debate about like who the devil is supposed to be. Like in like in some in most retellings, I think it's like a Faustian sort of thing. Yeah, where it's, yeah. It's like the devil. It's like Satan. And you, the and Bi- he you know, like, from the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And he sold his soul to get good at guitar. Right. I've, I've listened to The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I know how mm-hmm. this works. Sure. Johnny played his fiddle good. Um, yeah, I saw that Futurama episode, too. Right. But it's um, it's also been floated that it could refer to, like, a voodoo god named Papa Legba. Oh, sure. Okay. Who stands at a spiritual crossroads and acts as an intermediary between spirits and humans. Mm. And that's in um, Louisiana voodoo as well as, like, Haitian voodoo, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's been... Later scholars have sort of debated that as being, like, maybe a little maybe okay sure like oh it must be some like african voodoo god because they were all black people yeah and that's a tough line to walk because like on the one hand it's like oh maybe it is depending on the community but also you're just imprinting that because you're making up this myth about a musician who was probably just better than you expected yes okay, right. sure <laughs> <laughs> uh it's worth noting that i was just double checking this he is the guy who wrote like the song that you know of as Crossroads by Eric Clapton and or Cream is based mm-hmm. on Crossroad Blues by Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if I don't I wonder if the crossroad element of his myth was like added to that like because of that song or not. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um hmm, neat. Yeah, so I, I set out wanting to know where that particular myth came from and it's it's connected to a real guy and that guy has had a huge influence on a lot of people who then went on to have huge influences on a ton of modern music yeah yeah um so yeah in in a way he's like haunting all of our playlists to this day oh i hate you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i got a quick hit for you andrew okay this is from a website that we learned about two years ago called scaryforkids.com. Scaryforkids.com is a good one. Uh, it's, a, it's a stupid story. 
under their stupid story category. <laughs> this one is called. I like that they need that it needs its own category. <laughs> what do they call the? Let me hold on. Let me see what they call the category if they call it something. Some short, stupid stories to make you say what? These, these stepid tales of terrible terror are meant to be scary, but fail so miserably that they end up just being funny. Here you go, Andrew. Stupid story number seven: Glass Elevator of Evil. Okay. One time a guy by, by Roald Dahl. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know who this is by. Uh, Internet Joe. One time a guy got onto a glass elevator. He pushed the button for the tenth floor. The doors closed and the elevator went up. The indicator light climbed higher. Eight. 9, 10, 11. The elevator didn't stop on the correct floor, nor did it stop at all, ever. But when it did stop, the man was a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a pretty good punchline for that story. I got... Yeah, it's I, I, I've got some other scary for kids. Okay. I got one deals. more, like, longer one. You, What else do you got? I've got another, like, not serious quick hit, but, like, a, a real thing. I've got one, like, short actual ghost story. You want me to read you that one? Yeah, hit me with that one. All right. So this is from a series of books called Haunted Ohio. Ooh, yeah, okay. By this author, uh, Chris Woodyard. And um, and these were like I I grew up in Ohio and they were fixtures at like book fairs and stuff usually. Oh sure, yeah. And in in the little school libraries and things, but they're just they just tell there are like four or five of them, and they just tell little Ohio centric ghost stories. Um, so here's a quick hit from the first one. You can get all these on on Amazon for like six bucks a pop. It's if if you're interested. Um. One summer's afternoon, a young Cincinnati housewife was washing up the lunch dishes, looking out the window over the sink at the beautiful day. Suddenly, a figure dashed madly across the lawn. She grew cold as she recognized the unbelievable. It was the Grim Reaper, the sleeves of his dark robe flapping like the wings of some hideous moth. She saw the creature's skeletal feet, sandal straps surrounding the bones, and in a daze she wondered if the joints would shake themselves loose, scattering the bones like jacks. The Reaper was gone in a flash before it could turn the hood back from its grinning face. The woman sank to her knees, sick and shaken. She somehow knew that something terrible had happened to her husband. She expected her husband back at 3 p.m., but he did not come. As she paced the floor at 7 p.m., the phone rang. It was a hospital calling to say that her husband had been in an accident and was unconscious. At the very time she saw the Grim Reaper, her husband's car was struck by a speeding truck, which crushed him against the windshield. He was badly hurt, but he lived. Now when the woman does the dishes, she looks out over the lawn and is chilled when she ponders the dark vision. The reaper was in a hurry, she thinks. When will he return to finish the job? Ooh, what? <laughs> okay. Are you spooks? So I like that the Grim Reaper's rocking sandals. I like he's rocking sandals. I like that the only thing that makes this an Ohio haunted story <laughs> is that it says that she's from Cincinnati at the very beginning. <laughs> She couldn't Which have was, at least what was been that? eating some Skyline chili or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One day, a young housewife was driving back from the Polaris Mega Mall. <laughs> One day, she picked her husband was due home from the Bengals game, and he never <laughs> arrived. <laughs> 
One summer's afternoon after returning home from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> they were I know that's Cleveland. I'm just making Ohio jokes. She was waiting for him to come back from voting because Ohio's an important state in the Electoral College. And she was scared <laughs> about the outcome. And then she saw the Grim Reaper. And he said, this is a legacy of an older version of your country. You're dead. Um it's pretty spooky. I have another one for you. This is my last one, Andrew. Okay, and then I have a last one that I think you're going to like a lot. I hope I don't have the same one as you. Mine is from scaryforkids.com. I don't know. I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> okay. Frankly. Um, this is based on a Japanese tale that is supposed to be a true story, Andrew. Mm-hmm. The title is Woman in the Toilet. <laughs> Again, this is a first-person narrative. This is the story of what happened to me just two nights ago. I live alone in a one-bedroom apartment. It was getting late, and I decided to take a nice relaxing bath before going to bed. I needed to go to the toilet first. When I lifted the lid of the toilet, I thought I saw something in the toilet bowl. It looked like the shadow of a person's head. It took a few seconds for my eyes to adjust to the dim light. I realized it was the head of an old woman. Her eyes were closed and her hair was spread out and hanging over the side of the toilet bowl like seaweed. At first, I was too shocked to do anything. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I just stood there in my underwear staring at it. How could anyone fit inside a toilet bowl? Was it a severed head? Was it a Halloween prop? All of a sudden, the woman's eyes opened wide and she stared at me. I was horrified. In shock, I slammed down the toilet lid. I could hear a gurgling sound coming from under the lid. It sounded like muffled laughter. In a panic, I grabbed basins, brushes, and shampoo bottles and piled them on top of the toilet lid, trying to keep it trapped. I ran out of the bathroom and closed the door. I heard noises from the other side of the bathroom door, and it sounded like bumping. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't human. I was so scared that I ran out of the, ba- I ran out of the apartment wearing just my t-shirt and underpants. I ran downstairs, got a taxi, and raced to my, to my friend's house. I told her what I'd seen, but she didn't seem to believe me. When I calmed down, I even began to question myself. I stayed with her for a few hours, but around midnight, I decided to go back to my apartment, and I asked her to come with me. That's bad. That's bad. That's a bad idea. Uh huh. I turned the key in the lock and opened the door, and everything seemed quiet, and nothing was out of place. My friend was curious to see what had scared me. We opened the door to the bathroom. Everything was silent. All the things I'd piled on the toilet lid had fallen on the floor. My friend lifted the toilet seat and peered inside. There was nothing there. No woman. Not even a stray hair. My friend shut the lid again. I was still creeped out, so I asked my friend to stay for a while just in case. Then I noticed something nasty. Uh-oh, it, it's gonna get nasty. It made me sick to my stomach. Protruding from under the rim of the toilet were some tufts of long, wet hair. My friend noticed them, too. She reached out cautiously and opened the lid of the toilet. The old woman's face was there, staring up at her. She opened her mouth and began gnashing her teeth. Clack, clack, clack. In a high-pitched voice, she started laughing. As she laughed, her wrinkled skin shook and jiggled. Her black hair... (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst part so far. Her black hair shifted and moved like hundreds of tiny snakes. My friend let out a scream and slammed the lid shut. Holding it down with one hand, she reached out and pulled the lever with her other hand. There was a swirl of water, and the jarring laughter was drowned out by the sound of the toilet flushing. We waited, afraid to breathe. The flushing sound stopped, and the water started trickling back into the cistern. My friend opened the lid again. The toilet bowl was empty. We were both shaking. She left the lid open and told me not to close it, ever. My friend went home, leaving me alone in the apartment. I slept in the hallway outside the toilet, clutching a knife. 
The next day, I unscrewed. Is this done yet? Oh I'm my almost God. there. The next day, I unscrewed the toilet lid and took it off. Ever since then, I've been too afraid to go to the toilet. I am afraid that I will sit on the toilet bowl to do my business, and when I am finished, I will look down and see that woman's gnarled and wrinkled face staring up at me. Yeah, because it sounds like like you flush a, a old woman's head down the toilet, and it's gonna like best case, it gets caught in the pee trap. Yeah, it's not going all the way down. She's coming back for your butt. Like, that's <laughs> just going to happen. That ghost lady's coming back for your butt as soon as she can. <laughs> and your friend is not your friend anymore. You are the weird toilet guy. <laughs> like, yep. that's not. Yep, you're now Derek the weird toilet guy. <laughs> She's going to move across the country and tell all her new friends that she had to move here because she knew a guy who had a head in his toilet. And you were stuck there. I mean, Never the sol- pooping again. The solution, of course, is to get one of those Japanese standing up toilets. That would be ideal. A woman, uh-huh. a woman's head, a ghost woman's head, could not live in one of those. That's true. Or even if it could, like it, you're not gonna like sit close enough for her to do anything. Yeah, it's you. easier to run away if you're standing. I really feel like the the best revenge would, frankly, just to be to to do what you came in there to do. <laughs> I don't think the old woman's head would like that very much. You know what, old woman? I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to make a leftover chili omelet, and I'm going to see you in an hour. I am going to I am going to drink two liters of Mountain Dew, <laughs> and I will be back in 20 minutes. Get ready, ghost lady. <laughs> All right, Andrew, bring us home. What do you got? All right, do you know what a shirame is? No, I don't know what a shirame is. Um, all right. Uh, late at night, a samurai was walking down the street when a man in a kimono stepped in to block his path and said, excuse me, just a moment of your time. The samurai readied himself for an attack and shouted back, what do you want? The man suddenly shed his kimono and stood stark naked. Then he bent over and showed his butt to the samurai, <laughs> and which had a single huge eye. Whoa! When the eye opened, it shone with a bright light. The samurai screamed with fright and fled from the mysterious monster. So Shirame is, is that, a... Wait, uh, is that the whole story? That's the whole story. Samurais with eyes in their butts? No, it's, he's, not a sam- he's not a samurai. I'm going to explain what he is. Okay. He's a kind of uh, Japanese yokai who's kind of like a, a ghost or a spirit. Okay. Um, it's a part of this like the subdivision of, of yokai called a naparabo. Okay. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a kind of ghost that has like a human form but it's it's featureless or faceless and so a lot of the time they will pretend to be somebody you know and then they'll creep on you and scare you and but but they don't like they don't mean they don't mean you any harm usually they just want to frighten you and 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 get you they want to get you good and so this particular one the shirame is one that has a, a eyeball in its butt. <laughs> okay. And that's uh That's all it does? Uh, that's, yeah. It's like that monster from Pan's Labyrinth, but a butt. I got like a I got a quick uh I'm just gonna drop it in the chat. No, there. I'm just gonna look at it in real time. Let me see if I can wait, where just, is it? You're gonna drop a couple images here in this oh, chat. Oh no. Ah, that's no. <laughs> oh, no. He just has an eyeball where his. He doesn't uh, even have a face. 
face. No, he doesn't have a face. That's a feature of the of the kind of yokai that he is. Does I just told you that. Does it have to be all naked to show you its eye on? It doesn't butt? have to be. It just like it wants to. It wants to creep you out, and it's creepier if it just like gets naked and then it's like, here's my eye. Oh, he's looking at you, kid. No. <laughs> I just I know how important eye contact is to like. Relating to people, <laughs> and this is just freaking me out. <laughs> also, I don't like that the eyes could be different sizes. Yeah, oh. there there are a few different uh, depictions. I'm sure if you Google oh, image search no. Shirime, which I am doing right now, the one that you the boy, you would you find a lot me, of different images. The one you sent me, the second one, it looks like it's like an old sketch from like centuries ago. Like these yeah, things there's been around like forever. A, yeah, there's like a scroll. It's an old myth. Oh boy, you're Here's sending a link another that's one. That's definitely not to the Google image no, search. Oh, even that Shirame. guy's face is melting in response to it oh no the one is crying how can tears come out of your butt eye it's just the eye it's got tear ducts like any other eye that doesn't make any sense don't say that most of them don't have eyelashes boy there's some really interesting why is de- that deviant one? arts in this. <laughs> this one is emitting light from its eye this stinks Oh, you didn't spook me. You pooked me. No. Oh, Andrew, it's we got a ghost. A no, it's a spirit. It's a friendly spirit who just wants to just wants to prank you. No one should Google this. No one. It's S H no. I R I M E. No, it's ah. It's if you're A A A A Ah, don't. Oh, this stinks. A Rooney. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I can't handle it. Boy, I think I think we've we've both learned a lot. Yeah, that's a word that you could use for it. All all mine, like many of, of mine were were educational as well as spooky and funny and cool. I just uh, you could share with us your favorite ghosts. Yeah, who's your favorite yokai? On social media, send us pictures of ghosts at twitter.com uh, pictures of some ghosts slash overdue pod or facebook.com don't let's put not, them on our facebook.com yeah, slash let, overdue let's not pod. just make a blanket proclamation <laughs> <laughs> maybe spare us the creepiest of your ghosts uh you could send them privately in an email to overdue pod at gmail.com um, where you can also share your ghost stories about kids named harry or clown statues or toilets um andrew presumably if folks are listening to this they've been to our website but what is it it's overduepodcast.com we've got links to all those great resources that craig just mentioned as well as uh, links to our itunes and google play and rss and stitcher feeds those are always you can subscribe to the show and get new episodes this is a sort of special little bonus episode that we record um that we record some spooktobers i guess yeah just kind of whenever we feel like doing it. When the mood and the full moon strikes us. Yeah, um, full moon peeks at you with its eyeball. Oh. No. Mm. Um, but uh, if, if you are interested in sitting in on our normal bonus episode recordings, which happen every other month, um, go to patreon.com slash overdue pod and look look at some stuff from our, our Patreon page. You can support us and you can get some extra stuff from us and, and everybody will have a good, good time. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. If you uh, want an easy way to find our first ghost stories app, uh, and you, you want to, you, you like, you can find that on our website. You just use the search function to like. Yeah, I think if and I think if you just Google like overdue podcasts, ghosts, and urban yeah. legends, that'll get you there. That'll get you there too. Um, as we record this, uh, we are going to record in a few days our interview with the vampire episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll see you in the in the non spooktober times, everyone. Hope you got yeah. spooked. Hope you got. Hope you had a good time. I had a good spooktober. Me too. Yeah, I only got. I didn't get spooked as many times, but I think we. I think we learned a lot about ourselves and about <laughs> yep. and about um, yokai mm. and and about all kinds of stuff. Mm. Mm. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And until we talk to you next time, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.